What does it mean to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit? There's a lot of different answers to that question. Early on in my ministry, I was at a, a pastor's gathering with a, a very famous um, national, world-renowned uh, spiritual leader. And uh, at the end of his talk, he said, uh, if anybody wants to have uh, more of the presence of the Holy Spirit or wants to have more of the, the presence of God in their lives, he said, if you'll come forward, I'll pray for you. So, well, being new in ministry and never one to really turn down the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, I, I went forward and, and it was a line of about 20 of us. And um, I noticed that as he prayed for people to experience the presence of God, um, most of them would fall down and some of them would shake on the ground and um, these things were happening. And, but it looked to me from where I was standing like I could see it's almost like he was, was pushing them. And I said, I said, Holy Spirit, I, I wanna receive anything that you have for me. If you wanna knock me on my back and tattoo John 3:16 to my chest, I am ready to receive that, but I'm not letting that man push me down. Well, so he gets over to me and he reaches out and he puts his hand on my head and he starts to pray for me. And I can feel the tension in his arm pushing and, and I'm like, Holy Spirit, I don't feel like that's you. Um, I feel like that's him. So I kind of start pushing back a little bit and he, his prayers get louder and his pushing gets more intense and my kind of, I'm sort of bowing up, pushing back against him and everything. And, and it just went on for 30, 45 seconds. And eventually he said, well, um, he, he, in prayer, he said, God, I know that you have something for this one. And then he just moved on to the next person. Um, is that what it means to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit? Is there some kind of, of, of emotionally ecstatic or, or weird experience? There's a lot of people that interpret the presence of God as some kind of emotionally ecstatic experience where they feel like they get goosebumps and, and that's got to be God. Other people have no real sense of the Holy Spirit at all as a, as a person. He's more of a doctrine that they know about than he is a person that they know. Uh, in the previous session, we compared him to an absentee teacher, Jesus having given an assignment to his disciples to, uh, to learn and to accomplish, and then he leaves the room and says, get it done before I come back. Or I told you that, that many Christians relate to the Holy Spirit the way that I relate to my pituitary gland. I know it's in there, I'm grateful for it. Uh, I don't wanna be without it, but I don't really relate to it. So what does it mean to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit? Well, the good news is that God has always wanted to be present with his people. That's been his plan from the beginning. Like we went through in the last session, from the very first stages of his relationship with, with mankind, we see him personally present. When he created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he came and walked with them in the cool of the garden. He, he didn't have to do that, he wanted to do that. When he led his children of Israel out of Egypt in the Exodus, um, he guided them through a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He didn't have to do that. He could have given them a map and protected them from heaven, but he wanted his presence to be with his people. Uh, Ezekiel 48, 35 is a, it records a name that the people gave to God. They called him Jehovah Shammah, which means the God who is there. God is always a God who has wanted to be present with his people. And when he came as the Messiah, the angel said to give him the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Um, now, Jesus said in the Holy Spirit, he is God in us, which makes him closer than ever. 
So where and how exactly did we find the presence of the Holy Spirit? This is one of the most overlooked teachings uh, in the Bible, in my opinion, about um, experiencing the Holy Spirit. It's the Apostle Paul's uniform answer to this question. We find the presence of the Holy Spirit in the gospel. It is as we go deeper in the gospel, Paul says, that we become more alive in the Spirit. Uh, one of the clearest places where Paul explains this is in Ephesians 3, when he prays for the Ephesian believers, that they would have a greater sense of how high and how wide and how deep and how long the love of God for them is in Christ. It, it wasn't that they, it, that they didn't know these things in their minds, it's that he, he's praying that they would feel them, have a sense of them. He says, when they feel these things, then they will be filled with all the fullness of God. There's a sense in which we are filled with the fullness of God when we have a greater understanding of what God has given to us in the gospel. Um, there was an old Puritan writer named Thomas Goodwin who used to illustrate it like this. He said, he said imagine a father walking a along with his son. I have a, a four-year-old son, so I'm walking along with my son um, when I suddenly pick him up and I spin him around and I, you know, I say, you're my son, I love you, I'm your daddy, I'm all proud of you and I'm, I'm always gonna be your daddy. In that moment there in my arms, he's not legally any more my son than he was the moment before. But in that moment, he feels his sonship more. Well, see, that's what the presence of God does is it makes us feel our sonship or our daughtership with God. The doctrines of the gospel become alive to us. They go from being things we know about God to being this relational experience that we have with God. Um, there was an old British pastor named D. Martin Lloyd-Jones that described it like this. He said the, the best illustration of being in the presence of the Holy Spirit is takes place in the life of Moses. Um, Exodus 34, when Moses asked God to see his glory. Uh, Lloyd-Jones says that God, in response to that request, takes Moses and puts him in the cleft of the rock, and then he makes his glory pass by. But Lloyd-Jones points out that as he does that, God declares his name to Moses. He declares that he's a God full of mercy and, and compassion and love and a God who is holy. And Lloyd-Jones says, there Moses in that rock, hearing the name of God gives us a picture of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit puts us into Christ and then he makes the name of God, God's love to us, his commitment to us, that he is our father. He makes that come alive so that we, that we feel it. Um, one more example, Jesus, um, when he received the Holy Spirit uh, at his baptism, said that the Holy Spirit came on him like a dove. Well, at the same time that he's, the Holy Spirit is coming upon him, the Father is declaring from heaven, you are my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. That's what it means to ex for us to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit, is we, in our hearts, hear that voice in the gospel, you're my beloved son or daughter in Christ. I'm well pleased in you because of him. And that feeling of, of being close to God in the gospel is the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So let me tell you why this is so essential for the Christian life. Victorious Christianity can only be lived in the presence of God. The Apostle Paul said, Galatians 5, 16, that we will not escape the lust of the flesh until we walk in the fullness of the Spirit. The Apostle John in, in 1 John said that, that the, the victorious Christian life comes from having fellowship with God the same way that the Apostles had fellowship with Jesus. Um, it is the presence of God, the largeness of the presence of God in our lives that gives us the ability to, to overcome the lust of the flesh. Um, I was talking with a group of uh, fraternity guys one time, and um, I was doing a Bible study with them, and we were talking about sexual lust. And I made the statement to them, I was like, you know, you can turn off sexual desire, 
you can turn it on and off like a light switch. You should have seen the look on their faces when I said that. They were like, bro, we know that you know your body changes when you get older, but we had no idea this is what happened to you when you, you turned 40. I said, no, no, I can prove it. Um, you, you can turn it on and off like a light switch. They said, there's no way. I said, okay, imagine that you're with your girlfriend and you guys are at her apartment, you're alone, and you know one thing leads to another, and uh, I don't know what y'all call it anymore because I'm not cool. Back when I was in college, it had something to do with a baseball diamond, but whatever, you, you pass the point of no return. Um, you, know, you get to that point where your passion is just alive and you feel like there's no way you can turn it off. And they're all nodding their heads going, that's exactly what we're talking about right there. I said, okay, in that moment, at the most intense moment of your, of, of your passion, in walks that girl's Navy SEAL father who's just gotten back from a tour of duty in Afghanistan. Bam, off like a light switch. And they all kind of nodded their heads and they said, yeah, I, I guess that's right. I was like, so what changed in that moment? It's not that you lost sexual desire. What changed was the largeness of the presence of the father. The presence of the father became so real that your, your sexual desire was brought under control. Well, see, in the same way, the way that you and I overcome the lust of our flesh is not by eliminating them, it's by having something larger in our lives than those lusts of the flesh, and that is the presence and love of the Father, and that's what the Holy Spirit brings to us. Um, I had a friend who, um, at our church, was one of our church leaders, who had a, a dark secret he never really told anybody about, and that is he struggled with a same-sex attraction that led him to pornography, which led him to all kinds of um, random hookups with guys he met in internet chat rooms. Um, he tried for a long time to overcome this on his own, finally comes to me, he feels totally defeated and he confesses his sin and we start this kind of, you know, uh, uh, program of, of dealing with the lusts of his flesh. He memorized a bunch of scripture and read a bunch of books and had accountability partners and got rid of the internet and all the things that you're supposed to do. And what would happen is for a few months, he'd get a little victory and then he'd fall right back into his old patterns. And um, it just, the cycle just happened over and over and over again. Well, he moved out to a different state and um, he, I saw him recently. And um, the first time I laid eyes on him, um, I could tell something was different. And I said, Brennan, um, something's changed in you. He said, yeah. He said, God has finally given me victory over this sin. He said, I don't mean that the struggle's gone. He said, I, I suppose it'll always be with me um, until the day I die. He said, but God has definitely given me victory over it. And I said, well, what, what changed? He said, I was mentored by a man for whom the Holy Spirit was a reality. It was, he was a, a person that this man talked to and not just a doctrine that was running in the background. Um, he said, when this guy he explained to me that when I got up in the morning, um, I should engage with the Holy Spirit immediately. I should um, think about and ask what he had for me that day. He said, it became real to me that this was not, this sexual addiction was not something that Jesus was telling me to overcome for him, but it was something he was asking me to yield myself to him so that he could do it through me. He said, that's what made the difference is when I began to let the Holy Spirit do this through me and not try to do it for him. As I told you in the last session, victorious Christianity is not you doing something for Christ. It's not you and Christ tag teaming, it's Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. So where and how do we access that presence? Well, again, it's in the gospel. The apostle Paul in Galatians 3 said that the same way that we receive the Holy Spirit is the way that we grow more full of him. We received him by faith in the gospel. So if we wanna grow more full of the spirit, then we have renewed faith in the gospel. Depth in the gospel um, equates to fullness of the spirit. The way the apostle John said it was this in John 15. He said, if you wanna have spiritual fruit, then you abide in Christ. You see, if we want the presence of God, 
then we abide in the gospel of the second person of the Trinity, which is Jesus, and we become alive in the fullness of the third person of the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit. He said, then we produce spiritual fruit. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit analogous to how a man and wife produce physical fruit. When a man and a wife come together to um, produce a child, they're not thinking about the mechanics of making the child. They get swept up in a moment of loving intimacy with one another, and the fruit of that is a child. Well, see, in the same way, um, the spiritual fruit, the presence of God, is the result of you and I getting swept up in a moment of loving intimacy with Jesus Christ, and the fruit of that are the fruits of the Spirit. It is His presence. So if you want to be more in the presence of God, the place that you go is the gospel. Learn the height, the width, the breadth, and the depth of the love of God for you, and you will be filled with all the fullness of God.